Hello, welcome to this podcast called Finding Inspiration. It's a 20 or so minute weekly podcast where we interview someone with an amazing story. After the show, I know you're going to feel energized, invigorated, and inspired. I'm Jennifer Weissman. Welcome to Finding Inspiration. Hello, today we're going to speak with a completely blind photographer. Pete Eckert is a well-known photographer and he spent half his life sighted and the other half completely blind. We're going to learn what it's like to be a blind man in this sighted world and learn about some of the dangers that blind people experience. We're also going to hear from Pete about how martial arts prepared him for a life of blindness. And here are a few fascinating highlights of my conversation with Pete Eckert. I look for metaphors of blindness uh, to describe my world to the sighted world. What does that say about my world? You know, that talks about your world. I'm no longer in your world. You know, I'm not going to hide from society. And I went after a, a black belt in Taekwondo so I could handle myself on the street, do what I intend to do. And uh, what I intended to do was not to sit down and cry, but to uh, engage in life to the best of my ability. So welcome, Pete. Let's talk a little bit about your background. You were a totally sighted, normal child. I think you said you wore glasses. Other than that, you had no problems with your vision. You were accepted to Yale University for a master's in architecture. In your mid-20s, you got this diagnosis of retinal pigmentosa. Take us back. Tell us what happened. At that time, I was making money as a, a carpenter, and I had a, a Moto Guzzi motorcycle, and my lovely wife was my girlfriend at that time. I saw a pastel stripe in my left eye, and uh, I went to the eye doctor, and uh, they couldn't figure it out. And there was some misdiagnosis before I found out I had retinitis pigmentosa. RP. The way I found out I was going to go totally blind, uh, Dr. Dean O'Dell was talking to somebody on TV. Uh, now we're talking like the early 80s. And uh, a woman called in and said her son-in-law had RP. And what was going to happen? Uh, the doctor said, unfortunately, uh, retinitis pigmentosa takes vision from the outer edges of the, the retina until the person is totally blind. And that was the first time you'd heard that RP was what you had and complete blindness was your future? Yes. You, you can imagine. I'm alone watching the TV. And uh, my whole life was visual. You know, I, I did artwork. I made things. I, I basically survived on my creativity and uh, my wits. To learn that I was going to go totally blind was uh, devastating. It was like being hit by a hammer. RP is a somewhat rare eye disorder. But did any of your specialists that you started to see mention that as a possibility? No, I was actually misdiagnosed. Uh, one of the doctors uh, thought I had uh, a retinal detachment and uh, inflammation. And so he was injecting into my subtendons of my eye. With a needle? With a needle, yeah. You, you had to watch the whole procedure. You know, they pull back the edges of your eyes and dig around in there until they find the subtendon and then stick you. Uh, there's no uh, anesthesia or anything, and you have to watch the whole procedure and not move. The diagnosis was complete blindness. Right. I, I found that out much later. I challenged that doctor's um, diagnosis and uh, had access to a, a medical library. I found evidence that he was not correct, and I, I pushed the point and got another uh, opinion. And that doctor did a test. Uh, he just said, uh, well, it's definitely RP. And he got up and left. No no extra information. No, what is RP? Nothing. Yeah, this really tough diagnosis. You now know your future is as a person who's completely blind. What do you do? How did you prepare yourself to be self-sufficient and blind? What was your plan? 
there was a lot of um, hesitation. I was a carpenter and I wasn't a sculptor. I had degrees in industrial design and um, sculpture at that point and was intending to go to graduate school for architecture. The expense of going to school and could I get clients as a blind architect, I thought probably won't work. And so uh, I got an MBA instead at a lesser school, went after the MBA for financial stability, and I went after a, a black belt in Taekwondo so I could handle myself on the street. I have a black belt and and Taekwondo, and I competed as if I was cited. All the qualifications that I uh, earned, uh, I did as if I was cited. And the uh, I told them I don't want anybody in the class to know I'm blind until after I get a black belt. Uh, because their attitudes will change and they'll, they'll baby me. What I'm going to run into on the street is going to be harsh. And uh, I, I need to know that the skills I have are, are solid and I, I can do what I intend to do. And uh, what I intended to do was not to sit down and cry, but to uh, engage in life to the best of my ability. Other than defending yourself, what skills did martial arts teach you specifically? All blind people are, use echolocation, uh, their ears, to uh, navigate in the world. Uh, you can use a cane, you can use a guide dog, and I use both. In sparring, when I sparred with people, uh, it was always at full speed because you know they didn't know I was blind. I learned how to use sound to tell when something was approaching or, you know, I've got this skill, uh, now let's bring it out into the world. You know, not, not the fighting skill, how to navigate, how to find things, how to avoid things. I used sparring at that time as a feedback loop to uh, tell me that I definitely had the skills that I was looking for, navigate in the world. So simple things like um, finding the top of a staircase. I do by sound. I don't count the steps. I, I don't use a cane or a dog to do it. I just listen for the open space at the top. You know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking to myself, I've never considered the top of a stair landing has a different sound than walking up or down the stairs. That's interesting. You have so much blunt brain power. And when you take vision out of that, it's not that your brain power increases. It's you have extra butyrin analogy, extra uh, access to more computing power because sight is taken out. The nerve bundles uh, that go for sight are huge. And so you have all this extra capacity that's not being utilized and your brain is starved for information. What I did was a logical move. Uh, I uh, used sparring and martial arts to you know, first find that skill and then to refine it as a feedback loop. Uh, later on, when I moved out of the dojo into the world, I used my camera as the feedback loop. Now we're going to get into talking about your new chosen profession, a blind photographer. So exactly how does your camera work as a feedback loop? I divide my artwork and my efforts into two groups. There's the event, what I'm doing, and then there's the product, the photo. And so in the event of taking the photo, it's all me. And, and I'm very strict about that. Uh, I do take some information from sighted people, but I'm, I'm very careful that they don't touch the camera. What's produced is me. And then the feedback loop, I ask sighted friends to describe the photos to me while it's still fresh in my memory. That's my process. So there's event and product. I know you have a special camera with notches on it to help guide you and adjust each shot. Two phrases that you mentioned. One is, you're a tourist in a sighted world world and fingerprints of blindness. Tell us what that means, fingerprints of blindness. I can use a point-and-shoot camera, you know, a digital point-and-shoot camera, and and make it look like I'm sighted. You know, I can target people. You know, I can compose the image all by, by sound. But what does that say about my world? You know, that talks about your world. I'm no longer in your world. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, you know, my reality is much different. And some of it's subject to misinformation. I described to you a, a sense I have I call bone light. Think of a person that has an arm amputated and can feel that missing arm, a strange 
strange effect that happened to me after I lost my sight is uh, I can see my skeletal structure and light is emanating from it. And I'm holding my hand up to my uh, face right now. I can see the bones in my hand. Now, this is where it gets strange, if this isn't strange enough. I'm with you, but it is a little strange. I move my hand behind my skull where your sight wouldn't go, and I can still see my hand uh, through my skull. So, Pete, how exactly do you do that? I asked a Tai Chi, tai chi master what was happening, and he just said, Chi. I am not a, a, a Tai Chi Qigong master, and so uh, some of this stuff is, is beyond me because it sounds pretty crazy. Uh, I decided I'm, I'm going to put this into my photos. To describe to you what I do with my photos, I look for metaphors of blindness uh, to describe my world to the sighted world. Darkness and blindness are related. So I shoot in a totally dark studio. Uh, I shoot at night out out in the world. I look for metaphors. The bone light is definitely part of my life. I include that in some of my photos to portray my world to you. I I have to find the fingerprints of blindness, uh, metaphors of blindness, a method of translation. Another thing, phantom senses. Well, there's something beyond phantom senses. There's misperception. On a windy day, you know, I can hear a stop sign. I can hear the sign itself. And if I'm close enough, I can hear the pole. But I have to be very close because the sound shadow of the pole, think of a rock and a river, the, the sound going around it is so short, I have to be very close to hear it. I can hear a telephone pole from, well, 10 feet away, the sound r- wrapping around it. The stop sign in a windy day is vibrating. And so it's giving a very ethereal feedback. So I'd go up and find the stop sign and grab it and put my hand up and find out the, you know, the shape of the stop sign. So once I started going up and touching things, I started building a sound vocabulary, kind of like a baby learning to see or um, interpreting words. As I'm walking around parking meters, you'll hear the parking meter heads, blip, blip, blip as you're walking by, just floating in space, because again, the poles are too too short. The sound shadow is not long enough for me to hear it. And so I walk up and grab the, the parking meter and go like, ah, this is what a, a parking meter sounds like. Could a sighted person hear a parking meter or a stop sign? Parking meter, maybe not. Stop sign, definitely. Pete, your story is absolutely incredible. You have a Herculean effort of preparing yourself for blindness. And then you chose a profession that would generally be considered a sighted person's profession. And you've become a very, very successful photographer in that. I think you were recently in a Google ad. Uh, Yes, it was uh, the ad for Be My Eyes. What is the most surprising thing to you about being blind? I didn't know if you take sight out of your senses that you could capitalize on uh, that extra capacity. So it's not that I hear or uh, my sense of touch is any stronger. It's just that there's more brain capacity that you can access. And so what I get out of it is a view of the world world that I could not have if I I had my vision. Some of it's quite beautiful. Some of it's quite scary. What part of it is scary? The misinformation. uh, It depends on your uh, sense of humor. I always try to uh, be uh, positive, but it it can get quite dark. And if you look through my uh, photos, overall, there's a a bit of psychological darkness. I think that's a reflection of the struggle. You mentioned that you've recently been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, another large hurdle for you to leap over. I know a man with your conviction focus will find a way, but that cannot be an easy diagnosis. Uh, Yeah, God does have a sense of humor. And I'm trying to look at this positively, like what can 
Parkinson's bring to me that's positive. You know, so it's difficult for me to work with my hand tools. Uh, I have a lathe that I taught myself how to use. And uh, and so uh, I'm losing some skills. And I was wondering, well, you know, what should I do to replace these skills? You know, what can I do that's positive? What I'm working on right now is I'm, I'm shooting in the Redwoods for background shots. And then I'm shooting in um, churches to get the stained glass. And I want the stained glass to be double exposed into the, uh, the Redwood forest as if they were just hanging in space to describe uh, Redwood Forest to people who haven't been there. They're enormous trees, and it really feels like you're in a cathedral or a very holy place. I didn't want something that was overly religious, but I wanted to you know, say, I feel like this is a cathedral. And uh, so I'm playing with stained glass right now. Again, I'm, I'm asking you about Parkinson's disease as a blind man, and your spin on it is how to find the glass is half full and that there's something positive and beautiful about it. And I, I just think that you're an extraordinary person to face such difficulties with such, such positivity. I, I don't know that I could do that, Pete. You don't know if you're not there. You don't know how much power you have until you get there. There's there's people that have done much more extraordinary things than me. I just try to stay positive and, and playful. You do have sort of a dark sense of humor, Pete. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, it is dark, but uh, it can be hilarious. It, it seems kind of silly, but uh, it is positive, and it's uh, not making fun of the disability, the, the Parkinson's. It's a search for uh, something positive to do with it. You know, I'm not going to hide from society. You know, now sometimes when I'm shaking and, and uh, struggling, young women open doors for me, which uh, at first I was going, oh, man, yeah, <laughs> I must look so old. Now it's kind of amusing. So what's the future for blind people in the 21st century. This is the best time in history to be a blind person for blind kids. Technology is going ahead leaps and bounds. And so it is possible to be employed uh, with a guide dog and with a cane. You can go places and do things that you couldn't do even just 20 years ago. Okay, I have to ask, what did the corona pandemic do to you and to blind people? Was it difficult? Was it more difficult? The pandemic has been very bad. Uh, blind people are very isolated anyway. And so now that uh, uh, you can work in a home office, I'm not asking people to hide blindness, but the social stigma can be avoided just by working in a home office. You know, things have changed very quickly and just blind people are the most viable that they've ever been. The chaos of um, leaf blowers and weed whackers makes it more dangerous to cross streets. There's so many dangers I hadn't even considered. So we heard the bark. We know you have a seeing eye dog. Do you move around a lot with him? I'm guessing better than 50,000 miles in his day, in his uh, lifetime. You walked more than 50,000 miles with one dog? Yes. That's incredible. An average day, I'd walk about 10 miles. That's amazing. You're in good shape. Do you ever get concerned for your safety walking around with all these super quiet electric vehicles? The scheme has changed now. There's more aggressive drivers and they're starting to you know, put uh, houses and apartments in the alleys. You know, So people are driving down the alleys as if there are roads. You have to listen for them. In short, it's more dangerous now. You have such a positive persona, positive spin on your life, on whatever circumstances are before you. you really, truly embody inspirational personal behavior. I mean, you have a, a sense of respect for yourself and acceptance, and there's no victimhood at all. I don't very much in awe of how you manage and handle your life. I wish you all the continued success and lots and lots of years of good health, steady health, joyful times for you and Amy, Pete. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on Finding Inspiration. Hey, I would appreciate it if you would click on that subscribe button and share this podcast with a friend. 
See you next week. I'm Jennifer Weissman.